Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 71 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in this evening. Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to thank all of you who are listening, but I wanted to take a moment and encourage each of you to consider signing up for the uh, mailing list for the podcast. This is uh, not a mailing list where I'm trying to solicit funds for you from you or anything of that nature. This is one where, and I've mentioned this before, if you're a listener, if you enjoy the podcast and you're somebody who's going to listen, you know, consistently, wouldn't it be nice to have the episode in your inbox as soon as it comes out? Rather than waiting for Apple to upload it or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever app you happen to be using, be great. If you sign up on this, there's just a little three or four question questionnaire. It's just asking you, you know, your name, your email address, you know, what club you support, that type of thing. And I set up a contact list, which I've got about 30 or 35 people on it right now, where I will send the episode out to you before I put it anywhere else. Now, when I publish, it will send out an automatic link to Facebook and to Twitter and to Instagram, things of that nature. But the first thing that I do before anything else is I send it directly to those people on the mailing list. So if you'd like to get on that list and have the podcast as soon as it comes out, I'd love to add you to that list. So go ahead and sign up. Also, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I would truly appreciate it if you would share a link of this episode or your favorite episode. Maybe there's an interview that you really enjoyed. Share that link on your social media with your friends and family. Really looking at growing the podcast. Closing in on uh, 11,000 downloads at this point in time. I, my goal was to hit 10,000 back by the first anniversary, but I was a couple of weeks ahead of that back at the end of December. And I'm looking at trying to get uh, that many again this year in 2021. So if you'd share a link with your friends and family on your social media, that'd be terrific. It would help to grow the podcast in Australia, as well as here in the United States and North America and around the world. And at this point in time, I actually looked the other day that uh, I've had listeners now from, and I'm, I'm just shocked by this, quite frankly, from 33 different countries that have tuned into the podcast. It's, it's amazing. And I'm at the point right now where I've had f- people in 43 states here in the United States have listened. Still nobody in Hawaii yet, which is interesting because there's actually a footy club, the Hawaii Eagles, that are there. Haven't, haven't uh, had anybody from Hawaii listen yet, uh, nor from... Uh, Rhode Island and Vermont, and uh, I think Arkansas was one of the other states, and I believe Montana and Wyoming. I'm not exactly sure on which of those, but one of the, the two Great Plains states here. Now, also, before I dive into the uh, the things I wanted to get into today, folks, just a, a reminder that the store page for the podcast is open up on Redbubble. I've got a link in the show notes. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast and advertising the show in a spiffy-looking T-shirt, or a sticker on the back window of your car, or on the back of your laptop, I'd truly appreciate it. And any of those funds that come in from that are going to get rolled right back into the podcast to help pay for the uh, the fees for hosting the podcast on the Podbean app, and for hopefully upgrading some of the equipment to make my dulcet tones sound even better than they do right now. I think that's possible, actually. Uh <laughs> So if you're interested, and again, I'm not trying to pressure anybody to do anything, but if you'd love to support the podcast, I would truly appreciate it if you'd consider doing that. Now, there have been a few things that have happened over the last couple of days that I wanted to dive into, and there's been some really 
I think, fascinating storylines that have come about. And, and the first one I wanted to get into was the, uh, the fact that uh, the magpies have uh, snuck into the hawk's nest and uh, they got, dare I say, exactly who they wanted by getting a 200-game magpie player and 13-year Hawks general manager Graham Wright to leave Waverly Park and uh, join his former teammate and the uh, current senior coach, Nathan Buckley, with the uh, Magpies. And this has been, from everything I've seen, this has been huge news. Now, I, I don't know a great deal about Mr. Wright. Again, he's uh, he's somebody who you know, played alongside Nathan Buckley. He's had a storied history working in the front office with the Hawks for the last many years. And he's now made the jump back to the Magpies where he played. Now, he helped to bring several premierships to Hawthorne when he was there. If you're a Hawthorne supporter, are you a little saddened by this? Is he getting off the ride as it's being rebuilt? Is he getting it on, on the downward slope here rather, rather than waiting to see if it can rise again and, and uh, the club can be competitive again? And that's not to say that they can't be competitive, but a lot of the pundits and a lot of the people who follow the game think that the Hawks are in a rebuilding situation this year and it may be a year or two before they get themselves back into the finals. So I, yeah, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Uh, as a Pies supporter, I think you have to be thrilled. You know, uh, I think he's going to be a uh, an integral part of uh, the Magpies getting this ship right after this offseason. You know, I think if you could describe the most uh, traumatic offseason for a club and you could put together a list of things that were going to happen, the Magpies had a lot of that stuff go on. Their team president, who'd been around for a long time, has announced he's stepping down. Eddie McGuire's leaving after this year is done. They had some salary cap issues that were not necessarily any fault of their own, but one could argue that they were definitely COVID-related, and they have had to jettison a few very popular players, Adam Terlor, Jaden Stevenson, and Tom Phillips, in order to get themselves down within the, uh, the salary cap. And you couple that with uh, the things coming out about Nathan Buckley and his relationships and the fact that he's in his final year of his contract. He doesn't have a contract after this year. There's been all sorts of tumult that's going on, and uh, maybe Mr. Wright's going to be able to come in and, okay, pun intended, right the ship. And do you think that this bodes well for uh, Nathan Buckley coming back, them having been teammates? Uh, is this going to help him to get a, uh, a new contract, do you think? I, I honestly, I, I do not know. I don't know the inner workings of what's going on with Collingwood and, and, and what their thoughts are about whether or not he's going to be with the club going forward. Now, as far as the Hawks are concerned, uh, Rob McCartney, who's the, uh, the the GM of football operations, he's uh, replacing Wright on an interim basis. They're going to be looking for someone to replace him full-time. But again, I was wondering, you know, Hawks fans, are you disappointed by, by losing uh, Graham Wright to the Magpies? Do you think he was leaving because, because of the downward trend? And Pies supporters, are you thrilled to have him working in your front office to help 
maybe stabilize things with your club. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and get and just get an idea of what you think on that. Now, the other big story, and this is one that had a much different result than than one we usually see. Uh, over the weekend during one of the practice matches for the AFLW season, which starts here in just a few days, and I'm still waiting on my Watch AFL app code so I can get logged back in, because right now I'm locked out of it. Hopefully that's going to come today, maybe tomorrow, because I'd like to watch a couple, you know, older games just to kind of get myself geared back up to watching footy again. I'm excited about it being back on, and uh, right now I can't get to it. And I've not heard any word yet as far as there's going to be, if there's going to be any women's games carried here in the United States. I haven't checked in on that, and I will do that. Uh, I'm going to be doing a, an AFLW preview episode this weekend. So I'll see if we're, going to, if we're going to have any games that are going to be broadcast here in the States. It'd be great if the women's game could be broadcast here as well in the same fashion that the men's game was last year. But during the contest between the, the Crows and the Giants, there was a nasty collision. Well... The result was a nasty collision, but if you watched it, if you saw the video, and I have a link to a, a story about it, and there's a, a video clip of it, it was a rather innocuous collision. It wasn't anything you know, that you would think to be an earth-shaking collision. Uh, Ebony Marinoff, uh, the, the gun midfielder from the Crows, she collided with... Uh, Bridgestack, the Irish recruit for the Giants, who was playing into her first official contact. And the collision, while Marinoff was no worse for wear, and if you look at it, at the video clip, it looks as though Stack's head, which was lowered very low, she's leaned way forward trying to pick up the ball. It looks like it it collided with like the right side of Marinoff's rib cage and her shoulder. And what ended up happening is she ended up with a fractured vertebrae as a result of this. And I saw an Instagram post where she is in a uh, a neck brace and collar to help stabilize her neck as it's healing. Now, you know, like I said, it looked rather innocuous. You know, and again, we know now that it wasn't the case that you know, that there was a serious injury here. And of course, they they've said there wasn't any nerve damage or anything of that nature. That was simply a cracked bone. She's going to be out for this season. But Ebony Marinoff was suspended for three games for this this hard contact. Now that's uh in a uh, in an AFL fixture, three games. That's a lot, but it's not a significant amount. Players have have come back from three game suspensions or two game suspensions for rough contact contact and that type of thing. But when you look at the AFLW fixture. They're playing a nine-game season. Her suspension right now is one-third of the regular season. Now, I, this is not to, to, to discount what happened to, uh, to Bridge Stack, but that's a pretty severe penalty for somebody who really didn't initiate the contact, didn't look, at least from the video that I've seen, to try to intentionally do harm to someone. But what was really interesting is that they decided to go before the tribunal and uh, and appeal the ruling, which, you know, we see happen all the time. And uh, she, along with the Crows counsel, Sam Abbott, they appealed the ruling yesterday. But we didn't get the result that we typically see. Typically, we will see Julian DeStoop standing outside the, the tribunal offices uh, during an episode of AFL Tonight 
and he's he's reporting on what happens there and getting the results. And hey, the the two game ban has been you know reduced to one game or to a five hundred dollar fine for you know for mild contact or whatever the case may be. Well, that didn't happen here. No decision was made because the Crows brought additional evidence. They brought in additional video that they discovered. It looked like a couple of days afterwards that Bridstack had actually collided with one of the scoreboard signs on the edge of the grounds during the course of the contest and had gone headfirst into that as well. So they were wondering whether or not that actually primed the pump, if you will, with regards to the injury, and it exacerbated what went on. So, and this, I guess, uh, took the... uh, the, the tribunal group, for they threw them for a loop. They weren't expecting that. So they basically said, hang on, pause, time out. We'll get back to you next Thursday. They pushed back the uh, the decision until next Thursday. Now, that that's a really tight window for the Crows because their first game is on, I believe, Saturday, if I've done the math correctly, if I've done the uh, the time differences there, because it's at, the game is at 11 o'clock my time on Friday night, which makes it an afternoon game on Saturday, if I, I believe. Probably around 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh, if they're playing in Adelaide. They're playing the Ds at that time. So that's a really short turnaround for her. Hopefully they're still going to be allowing her to practice just in case she's able to play. But then if she's not, what it's doing is it's uh, it's... It's preventing her replacement from maybe getting the requisite time during training to get themselves ready to take her spot in their uh, in their best 16. So it's kind of a rough situation, but again, if you watch the video clip, it doesn't look as though uh, Ebony Marinoff was doing anything malicious. You know, the, the statement was that she wasn't able to come to a stop. And you know, it's... I watch these things that are happening here, and, and I, trust me, I'm all about player safety. I, I, I understand what's going on with that. You know, if you're watching NFL games this past weekend, if you watch the, the Kansas City Chiefs and Cleveland Browns game, I'm a Browns fan, have been so for over a half century. There was a helmet-to-helmet um, collision at the goal line where one of the Browns players is trying to score and the ball was fumbled through the end zone and ended up being a touchback. Now that's a dumb rule in the NFL. That's neither here nor there. But they didn't call that the helmet-to-helmet contact on the player from the Chiefs. And it's something that should have been a penalty. It should have been a personal foul. It should have been a first down right there. The Browns should have gotten the ball wrecked right there. And maybe they would have won the game and be one step away from the Super Bowl, which is something they never played in before. But that didn't happen. So, you know, I, I understand the idea of player safety. But, you know, the, the people in the tribunal were saying, well, the, the Marinoff should have been able to stop. I wonder if we put them in that position, would they be able to to be able to stop? I, I, re- I really don't know if they'd be able to. It just, it's, it's you know, you know, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes or walk a kilometer in somebody else's shoes, I guess, in this case. Uh so, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this. It's going to be several days before the uh, the tribunal makes their decision because they're going to be looking at this additional footage and then deciding upon what they want to do with regards to whether or not they're going to allow her to play, whether they're going to maybe reduce the uh, suspension from three games down to two or one, or they're going to say, well, you know what? That other contact is what caused this, and you're free to go. You can go ahead and play in round one. 
So I have a feeling she's probably not going to play round one either way. Uh, but, you know, hopefully that gets reduced, I would think, because it, it wasn't something that she was intentionally trying to do. She wasn't trying to hurt her, which I know doesn't always matter. That sometimes the tribunal will make decisions where that doesn't much matter one way or the other. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, I one of the other things that I saw, and this is something that I know that I've mentioned on the podcast before and other people have talked about. In fact, an episode just recently, I know I, I linked a song from YouTube about uh, this situation. But the uh, according to SEN, and I linked the, uh, the article in uh, the show notes, the Tasmanian premier, and I'm hoping I'm getting his name pronounced correctly here. I tried to look for it, uh, uh, Peter Gutwine, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, Gutwine. He, he kind of issued an ultimatum to the AFL. Dare I say he put his footy down. Okay, that was bad, I know. Uh, you know, for close to 20 years, from what I've been able to, to figure out, both Hawthorne and more recently North Melbourne have been playing regular season games in Tasmania. Okay, whether that be in uh, Hobart or I think the other town is uh, Launston. Is it is it La- is that how it's pronounced, Launston? I, I'm honestly I'm not sure. Uh, but Tasmania has been pushing for their own team, and uh, they've embraced this partnership with the Hawks and with the Roos, welcoming in there. Uh, drawing decent crowds, but they've wanted their own team. There's a, there's a group that's been pushing for this. They've got, uh, they've got their own uh, logo already. They've got their, the Guernseys designed. I've seen them. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second because uh, one of the clubs here in the States is actually using their logo with their permission, of course. Uh, and I'll get into that here in just a second because it's from a previous episode. Um, but there had been talk that this license, the 19th AFL license, was going to be coming to them here soon, and that by 2025, Tasmania was going to have their own club. Now, if you've got 19 teams, you pretty much have to have a 20th, because if you think about it, if you have an odd number of teams, every week you're going to have to have a bye week. So round one of a season, somebody's going to have that week off. Round two. 22 of a season somebody's going to have to have that week off and if that's somebody who is going into finals that might give them a distinctly unfair advantage going into the finals allowing injured players to get healed up so if you're going to have 19 teams you probably need to have a 20th and that's where you have to figure out well where does that one go i know there's been talk about a third club in perth and some folks have contacted me and said not going to happen uh, I've heard uh, the possibility of Darwin. And from everything that I have seen, it would be really tough to play in Darwin during the AFL season. You, know, you think about how difficult the, the, the climate was and and the, the weather was for the team uh, for, I know there were two games there this year. Uh, I believe Essendon and Richmond played one of the games up there, and there was a second game uh, during, uh, um, I can't remember the weekend that it was right now, but uh, the, it looked pretty hot, pretty humid. Um, so I, I don't know how well that would work. You know, would you have to have a domed stadium like Marvel Stadium? And is is the Darwin area 
large enough to be able to support the extremely high cost of having a domed stadium. I, I don't know. I don't know if they do or not. But uh, Premier Gutwine has said that if he doesn't have some clarity and some answers about uh, the club coming to Tasmania permanently as their own club, that he's not sure he wants to renew the agreement with Hawthorne and North Melbourne after this year, which I believe this is the last year that they've got an agreement to, to play games there. Because I believe both clubs are supposed to play four games in Tasmania this year for a total of eight games there, which is fantastic. And, you know, I know that uh, it's something that nobody wants to think about, but, you know, we've seen teams ro ro uh, relocate and move from one place to another. Now, I, as I mentioned, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Our team was taken away from us. I would not wish that on anybody. I wouldn't wish that on a Hawks supporter. I wouldn't wish that on a, on a North Melbourne supporter or anybody else for that matter. You know, so hopefully they're able to get this resolved and, and get the license for the 19th club or simply write it off and say, you know what, Tasmania, we're not going to be able to make it happen. But one of the arguments that I've seen about this with regards to Tasmania has been the uh, the thought that, that they would not have the finances to do this, that they would not have the the economic backing of a large corporate sponsor or something of that nature. And... Uh, I did see where, in an article that I linked uh, linked to in the show notes, that uh, and this is from a couple of years ago, that there were some people that said that they already had things in place with sponsors. And uh, according to uh, a gentleman by the name of Saul Eslake, who's a, an economist from Tasmania, he's quoted in this article as saying, first, the stadium deal that a Tasmanian club would have at Aurora Stadium would be about the fourth best in the league. The second thing is we had sponsors. Mars said that they would be our major sponsor and the Tasmanian government would only need to pay a million dollars less than they're contributing to the Hawthorne deal. He also argued that, uh, you know, in the article that the Magpies, you know, they've managed to be all right with their main sponsor, you know, Emirates Airlines, being based out of Dubai. So it's not to say that, uh, that Tasmania couldn't find sponsors there. So maybe that, that argument isn't, as valid as some people might think. Now, again, these, these numbers are a few years old, so there's there's probably some, some things that are updated, so I'm sure that Tasmania would have to be ponying up a little bit more money to help bring the club to the state than, than what these numbers said. And I guess the last date that I saw in there was from 2016, so it's about a five-year-old article. And and I'd love to hear what you think about you know, Tasmania getting their own club. If you listen to my uh, episode number 67, and it's in it's in the links there, so you can go back and listen to it, uh, it was an interview that I did with James Henderson, who is the president of the North Texas Devils in the USAFL. It's a brand new club. They're starting up this year. Uh, they, they play in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They've got a new club that has started on the north side of Dallas, and they are, they've made an arrangement with the... Uh, the organization, the group that's trying to bring a club to Tasmania, who I believe have already identified themselves as wanting to call themselves the the Tasmanian Devils. And the, the, the Guernsey that the folks here in Texas are using is really sharp. It's actually green in color, and it has a uh, it has you know the, the Tasmanian Devil. It's a huge logo 
on like one side of it with a big snarling mouth on it, that sort of thing. It's a really sharp looking Guernsey. It's one that I think that I would actually like to have just to wear around here in Ohio. I think it's a really sharp looking outfit. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this. Uh, you know, there, there may be a club there in a couple of years, but I think if you have the 19th, you have to figure out who is going to be the 20th. Because if I'm not mistaken, they brought in uh, Gold Coast and GWS right about at the same time. There might have been a year difference where you had to have bye weeks every week, but I think they would probably want to get that balanced if they possibly could. Now, the last story that I wanted to get to today is, it to me, it's, it's a real heartwarming one. And I did see an article in The Age that... Uh, that the MCG has decided to rename one of the walkways, the walkway that goes from the William Barrick Bridge. And again, folks, I'm in Ohio. I've never been to the MCG. Uh, but the bridge that uh, that goes, uh, the, the walkway that goes from the bridge to the MCG, that they've named that after former Bomber player and former uh, D's coach Neil Danaher. And I've seen I've seen Mr. Danaher interviewed a couple of times. I've seen him give speeches and such, and you know, and he's such an inspiration, you know. And he's he's dealing with so much in his life, and uh, you know, I think it's 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 not a huge tribute, but it is a significant tribute to somebody who is working so tirelessly to bring recognition to the the fight MND campaign that he's that he's been part of. Uh, where they're battling the the motor neurone disease, and you know, if nothing else, this is a great talking point opportunity because I saw a picture of the plaque uh, that they have on the walkway. This is a great opportunity for you know parents and kids to talk about the career of this great man as the D's coach, as a a Bombers player, and and what he has meant to society in Australia since he has been affected by this uh this malady so i think it was a is a a great uh a great tribute to him you know his his smile and his positivity in 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 the face of everything he's got going on is it's just an inspiration to footy fans and i think to, to people in general and uh also i did see that you know along with this that you know the the government in victoria has uh announced they're donating another one million dollars to the fight mnd cause which i think they said that since 2015 that's raised it up to i think a total of six million dollars that they've donated Okay, so just some big stories going on this week. You know, tribunal drama, a, a tribute to a, a, a legend of the game, a state saying, give us a team or leave us alone. You know, one club you know, bringing in a very important cog to their club while also harming one of their, one of their rivals. Now, ladies and gents, before I wrap this up, and I don't know, I'm hoping that my next episode is going to come out this weekend. I plan on working on it over the weekend. I certainly will not be watching the Browns game, uh, unfortunately. I did want to take a moment and wish all of my Australian listeners, whether they be in Australia or if they're expats living here in the United States or around the world, I wanted to wish you an absolutely joyous Australia Day. You know, I, I know that this is this is basically the equivalent of the 4th of July here in the United States. Uh, and I, I did find a, uh, a list about the, the 12 most Aussie things to do on Australia Day. And I, I posted a link to it because some of them are kind of funny. 
And uh, one of them, the, the number one one on the list, and I guess it must be sequential in terms of what you're supposed to do during the day. Uh, the number one on the list was to grab a cup of coffee. And, you know, folks, I, I drink coffee all the time. I have, I have coffee in my system all the time. I, I, I'm recording this at about 8.30 on uh, Thursday night right now. I had a cup of coffee at about 6 o'clock. It was about half regular, half decaf, because I'm going to be going to bed here fairly soon. But I drink coffee very frequently. Now, I, I thought this was rather humorous, because somebody that I'm friends with online, and uh, cat supporter David H., I won't say your last name. You know who you are. I know it's Australia Day for you every day. Every single day it's Australia Day for you. Because every morning when you get up, you have a real funny meme about... Uh, that first cup of coffee that you're having. And I have not seen a duplicate yet. I mean, I, I've been friends with you on Facebook now for a couple of years. I don't think I've seen a duplicate meme about coffee yet. So you have a really, really good collection of them out there. So thanks for sharing those every day. Now, the list also said that uh, that you're supposed to, uh, supposed to watch the tennis. Now, I understand that they're talking about the Australian Open. But I'm wondering, with the quarantining that's been going on, is the quarantining for the players over yet? Are they allowed to actually go compete on the courts? Or do, do people have to take turns and go into their hotel rooms and watch them bang the tennis balls off the walls in their hotel rooms? I've seen some footage of some of the players whacking a tennis ball off the walls in the in the uh, hotel rooms. And I have to tell you, if I owned a hotel, I wouldn't be real thrilled about that. But uh, I guess any port in a storm. And it reminded me, and I'm going to wrap up with this here, it reminded me of uh, something that actually did happen to me. Um, I, I teach school, and uh, for about 25 years, I was our school district's model United Nations advisor, where we would have kids that would go to our state capitol, uh, to a hotel and uh, convention center complex with about 1,500 kids around the state. And we would go there, and the kids would, would have written resolutions uh for countries that they were um, representing and they would go argue these resolutions and, and debate them and try to get them passed in the different council sessions and that type of thing. A lot of fun. I've had some kids that have done some fantastic work that have gone on to great careers associated with that sort of thing. It's been, it's been thrilling. I've stepped away from that role because of my podcast, because I want to spend more time doing this, but I had a few students uh, about 15 years ago and I'm not going to mention their, their names. Uh, I still keep in touch with a couple of them. One of them is actually an attorney, uh, and like I said, I will not mention his name, but their, uh, their 10th grade year, which would have been, uh, they were 15, 16 at that time, um, I would check their luggage before we got on the bus to take the two hour, two plus hour drive to the Capitol. Now, this was because before I took over, we had had a couple of kids who had snuck alcohol onto the bus in their suitcases and had, had consumed alcohol in their hotel room. That's a big no-no. Well, I, I noticed, and, and I, I mean, I don't go digging through the bags or anything like that. I just kind of opened it up and looked inside. And in one of the bags, there was a, a small plastic bag with bounty balls, what we call super balls here in the United States. The ones that, you know, that are really, really hard rubber that if you bounce them on the ground, they'll, they'll bounce extraordinarily high. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are they going to do with these? You know, we don't leave the hotel. We're not, you know, we're not traveling about there. You know, and I, so I asked him, I said, what are you going to do with the Super Bowls? 
and this is the tennis thing is what reminded me of this. They said, well, we wanted to, to be in the hotel room and we wanted to have the Super Bowls there to kind of have it be like a game of Tetris where we would throw the ball and see how many walls we could bounce the wall off of or how many walls we could bounce the ball off of before it stopped bouncing off the walls. I shook my head a little bit. I said, okay, guys, that's terrific. I put the, uh, the balls in my desk, in my classroom, and we left them there as we took all of our stuff to get on the bus to go on the trip. They didn't take them with them. Of course, the next year, this same group of kids, uh, I got a phone call from the hotel management and the person that runs the Model UN program. These guys had decided to peel the wallpaper off the walls of my classroom. Or not off my classroom. They decided to peel the wallpaper off the walls of the hotel room. They peeled the wallpaper off of the walls of the hotel room. What makes somebody think to do that? That was certainly a question that I asked them. And one of them said, well, the one corner was loose. And we just started pulling on it. And the whole thing came off. And then we wanted to make it look even. So we peeled the rest of them off. And it wasn't like it came off in chunks or sections. The whole swath of wallpaper came right off the wall on an entire wall. So I'm standing here looking at the the manager of the hotel and the guy that runs this program. And they're looking at me like, what kind of kids are you bringing here? And well, I, I contacted parents and the parents had to cover the cost of putting up a new wallpaper in the room. And those kids did not go back to the Model UN program the next year because I did not want to see what was going to happen next. If we were going to bring Super Bowls and they were going to peel wallpaper, I didn't want to know what the next thing was going to be. So it was, uh, that was a bit of a traumatic weekend for me. And yes, I was still drinking coffee at that time. So ladies and gentlemen, I know that's not footy related, but it, it just kind of reminded me of that. Again, happy Australia Day. I hope you have a fantastic day. I hope that you're allowed to get out and be with your family and your friends celebrate, wear your mask if you still need to be wearing your mask. I know people are thrilled about that. We're still doing that here. You know, we have a new president here in the United States. I'm staying away from all the political stuff as far as that goes. That's not part of my podcast. But I hope everybody has a safe and joyous Australia Day. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you'd like to sign up for that mailing list, It has a link in the show notes for it. It'll take you just a minute or two to fill that out. I'll add you to the list, and boom, you'll get that podcast right in your your mailbox as soon as it comes out. Also, make sure to check out the the storefront. I've got a link for that in the show notes as well if you want to help to support the uh, the podcast and, you know, pick up a T-shirt or a couple of stickers or something of that nature. Or, you know, they have shower curtains. They have pillows. They have blankets there. Don't buy those. I didn't didn't put those in the uh, storefront. They put those in there automatically. I'm figuring people might buy a t-shirt or two, maybe a a skin for a computer or a sticker or something of that nature to help out. The the blankets, like I said, I'm not buying anything like that for myself either. So hopefully you'll consider helping out the podcast though. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if you've got an idea for a show topic or if you know somebody who you think would be a, a great guest on the show, Feel free to drop me a DM on twi- uh, on Twitter. Shoot me a note on uh, Messenger or on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. You can also reach me at uh, ayankonthefootygmail.com. Remember that you can find all the episodes for this podcast at ayankonthefooty.podbean.com. If you sign up for the mailing list, you can find it in your email. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider, 
as well as on my YouTube channel. Just search my name, Craig Wessels. Now, I hope that uh, while you're listening and you've shared the podcast episode with your friends on social media, I hope you consider giving a review as well. It's, uh, it's something that, that helps the, uh, the podcast provider know that, that you like the material. Maybe it bumps me up in their, uh, their algorithm and gets it out there for a few more people to see. It'd be fantastic if you could give me a review. I actually haven't had anybody give them a review in like five months on on apple Podcasts, i've had some great notes on uh podbean but on the apple podcast it's been kind of quiet over there a little bit of a ghost town and again like i said don't forget you can reach me at yank on the footy at gmail.com i'm on twitter at yank underscore on and on facebook and instagram at a yank on the footy now i'm looking at moving over to some other platforms as well to try to get to more and more places to try to to broaden my horizon uh you can also find me my name's craig wessels you can find me on linkedin as well and I have to tell you, those of you who I have uh, connected with on LinkedIn, I truly thank you for, for reaching out. I thought that would be a, uh, an interesting avenue to try to, to connect with some people who have some background in the game of footy. And I thought I might uh, find a couple people who might be, would be interested in coming on the podcast as a guest. I've had a couple dozen people reach out. And say that they would be interested. I've had several dozen people who have connected with me on there. It has been tremendous. And these are people who have been involved in all aspects of the game, whether it be at the local level or as players or people who are playing, you know, who are are involved in coaching or in training and that type of thing. It has been fascinating. Uh, it, quite frankly, it's been a little overwhelming. Uh, I've, I've talked to some people online. I've, I've said that it's kind of like getting a, uh, a drink of water out of a fire hose. That, that, that I've had such a positive response from people on LinkedIn. So those of you who are on LinkedIn, that who I've connected with, thank you, thank you so very much. I truly appreciate it. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening. While we're fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. Don't forget that the AFLW season is starting this weekend, and and they're they're playing a dynamic game. If you watched last year... The performance level last year was significantly better from the year before, and that was significantly better for the year before that. I can't wait to see what it looks like this year because I have a feeling it's going to be fantastic. Really excited about the AFLW season because footy's back, folks, okay? It's back, unless you're in the Northern Territories, and it, it's still there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening. I do ask that you share the podcast with your friends and family, and ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 71 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Just search out A Yank on the Footy. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Craig Wessels. That's my name. And again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>